Welcome to Permaculture Tonight. I've got a very special guest today. It's William Padilla Brown. And he is over in Pennsylvania doing amazing things with Mycosymbiotics LLC, Fungi Magazine, FungiMag.com. He's got a lot of things going on. And everyone's going to want to hear about this. I, I don't know of any other example like his. It's a phenomenal story. Let's just dive in. Here we go. Right on. Sounds good. All right. So, William, your story is a story that I think everyone should hear. I feel like it's, and, and it's not like complete. We're in midstream and all these things. But I feel like your story is the new, you know, American dream, American success story that's emerging because you you walked out on the formal education, right, and started your own education. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so maybe um, let's start there and then, like, take us to present day because I, I've, I, I've, I've researched you and it's absolutely incredible. And I think, you know, there's plenty of kids out there right now who need to hear this. Right on. Well, um... I mean, my whole life I've been traveling around. Uh, I'm outside. There's planes going by, so. <laughs> but yeah, my whole life I was. I guess it fits the fits the topic. But uh, I was always flying around, traveling around between my parents. Uh, my mom works for the Department of Agriculture. Uh, right now, she's actually director of foreign trade uh, for the Department of Agriculture in Shanghai. So she was she got into traveling outside of the country uh, around the time I was uh, eight. And uh, I was traveling around uh, with my dad. He was going to different military bases doing recruiting for the Army. Uh, so I was in, living in different military bases across the East Coast of the United States and uh, traveling around with my mom. So I lived around the D.C. metropolitan area and got to go to schools around there that were uh, very well funded. Um, and then I got to go to private schools in uh, the D.C. metropolitan area. And then I got to go to international private schools uh, whenever I was in England, uh, whenever I was around 10 years old. And then I came straight from there to uh, school, which was failing to meet state and federal standards uh, here in Pennsylvania. So that was the first time I ever came to Pennsylvania. I was like 10 years old. And it was just like a really big culture shock because I was learning about different religions and like uh, just some reading a lot of books and like learning about like uh, uh origami and all sorts of different cultural uh, traditions and things like this. And then I went to uh, standard United States public school where we couldn't even talk about religion. And a lot of people were unable to, to uh, read. And it was just a really big difference. Um, and so at that point in my life, I started to realize that there was a really big difference going on in education around because I had gone to so many schools already. But um, whenever I was 16... I was going to school in Taipei. Um, I was living in Taiwan with my mom. I had been going to high school in in uh, central Pennsylvania for a little bit. And then I just went straight from there to a whole different country again. And uh, there, the, the classes were really rigorous. So I was going to Taipei European, uh, European school. And uh, it was really intense. And I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't serving my education anymore. I was uh, doing a lot of music at that point. I was learning a lot about uh, doing video production on the computer and audio production and things like that. Um, so I just dropped out of school and started working on my music and I took a job in the city and just started traveling around, uh, the city of Taipei and exploring and stuff. And, uh, 
uh, taking my education into my own hands. So I would just nerd out on the computer and learn a lot about um, music. And I got really, really into like uh, California medical cannabis culture. So I really wanted to go out there and that's what kind of got me into learning about plants. And uh, through that, I started nerding, nerding out about plants because everybody was wondering what I was doing and that's what I knew most about. So I told everybody I wanted to be a farmer and everybody started giving me all sorts of uh, literature on farming and I got really into it. So uh, whenever I was 17, I flew back over to Pennsylvania to be with my partner, which I had been with before I left to go to live in Taipei. And uh, I started living on my own up here in the mountains, the southern mountains uh, in New York County in Edwards, Pennsylvania. And uh, I started working as a server and I was working with people that were like twice my age and had families and they were telling me about all their loans they're paying off for their education and for their cars and for their homes and I'm just like what am I supposed to do with my life <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I just thought really hard what I wanted to do and I, I realized that I had the, the information in front of me to become a producer and start producing something instead of just being out here without anything uh, so I, I uh, started planting my, my first gardens and, uh, through that I started educating myself a lot about, uh, food production and, uh, I started learning about social activism, started learning a lot about history and, uh, got really into studying different religions and, uh, uh historically though, and there was a lot of interconnections and stuff like that and. Uh, then I started studying sciences and I just got real far out for a while. I mean, I'm still pretty far out, I'd say, but, uh, um, yeah, so all, uh, making all those connections and just, uh, staying focused in that way and meeting, uh, meeting different people that are around me that had that same, those same kind of ideas brought me to a place in, uh, Camp Hill, Pennsylvania called Seppi's Place, uh, where I met my friend Seppi. And uh, there was a permaculture uh, apprenticeship going on in his backyard that summer uh, where I took an apprenticeship with Benjamin Weiss through Susquehanna Permaculture. And uh, that was my introduction to permaculture. And once I uh, learned about whole systems design, a lot of things started clicking for me. And uh, I, I started seeing mushrooms everywhere in all the people's designs, like in their gardens and all this kind of stuff. And I would ask everybody, what's up with these mushrooms? And nobody knew anything about it. So I was like, all right, like I remember learning about mushrooms when I was like 16, you know what I mean? And I, I had like played around with like cultivating and all that kind of stuff. So I, was, I had some sort of understanding and I was like, all right, I got to move forward with this. And I took that understanding and started my business, Microsymbiotics, last April and met a lot of really good people in the mycological world and uh I don't know. I got. I guess I got the opportunity to stand on the shoulder of giants and and move forward with a lot of interesting research. Um, I uh, I hosted a festival last August uh, called the Microsymbiotics Mushroom and Arts Festival, and I met pretty much all the mushroom nerds in my area, like from Maryland, New York. Like everybody came out. Like it was it was like 60 people, but they were like pretty much all the mushroom nerds from the local area, and like. Uh, we found some crazy mushrooms and uh, some of some of, a lot of my research has been uh, based off of some of the mushrooms that we found uh, at that at that festival. So 
Um, the mushroom business has been really great and it's allowed me to uh, produce the yield necessary for me to move forward with a lot of the other research that I wanted to be doing. Um, I just, I have a lot of things that I want to bring forth, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about throughout this, uh, this discussion. Um, but I needed to start producing a yield because uh, I was just a young guy. I mean, I have a family. My son's going to be two years old next month and I'm only 22. I have a GED um, and a permaculture design certification <laughs> and no, I don't have any debt though. I don't have any loans or anything like that. All I have is rent and bills. Uh, and I'm in a good situation where uh, my partner's family owns the property that we live on. So I can do my designs here and, uh, I'm producing lots of food and working with the community to produce lots of food where people can't or don't have the time to use their to uh, work their gardens. I'm working different people's gardens in the area and uh, teaching a lot of people in the area how they can uh, start producing things for themselves uh, and just basic education on ecological literacy. I've been able to get into schools, uh, homeschooling, uh, cooperatives. Um, and at this point, um, I've educated over, I, I think about, if I, last time I counted, it was like 200 or 300 people. Uh, uh, in Pennsylvania, but I've also, I've also educated over 100 people uh, in the D.C. metropolitan area, including Delaware, Maryland, D.C. Um, uh, other than that, I haven't really uh, talked to many people outside of my YouTube and uh, online uh, uh, social media and stuff like that. Well, the, uh, that that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I feel like there's... There's so many, like, overlaps. I mean, you're doing, like, the Curtis Stone thing where you're working on other people's property. You're doing, like, what all, like, a lot of us educators are doing is getting into schools. You're, uh, you're doing a CSA, right? Um, I actually called it a CSE. It's a Community Supported Education. Mmm. Wow, that's incredible. I've never even heard of that before. And then you're also doing a, a farmer's market uh, mushroom uh, thing, right? Yeah, every Saturday I, uh, I sell uh, fresh mushrooms that I produce and uh, we get in some mushrooms wholesale uh, just to meet the demand because, uh, I mean, my town is, has, a, has quite the hunger for mushrooms. <laughs> nice. And so, I mean, you're doing what like a dozen people do all at once that, you know, it's it's absolutely incredible and impressive, but you're also getting the town government on board. Can you uh, share some, some of that? Well, the government, the town government uh, here, um, we have a borough council of uh, seven members. We have our, our mayor and we have a uh, police chief. And the, the uh, council meetings, they go by pretty fast. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's no, it's not that busy of a town. Um, I, I, so, I mean, just to stay on the topic of government, of local government, I've gone to council meetings and uh, I've stood up and talked at, the, at this past council meeting uh, where um, any, any local town members or uh, citizens of the town, residents of the town, I can go up and speak, uh, state their issues or state any concerns or anything of that sort. And I just went up. And uh, specifically at the last meeting, because I've been having a little bit of an issue uh, getting in touch with the water treatment facility or the sewage treatment facility here in New Cumberland, uh, because 
it went up for bid uh, this past fall and it was sold to the Pennsylvania American Water Company. Uh, and they just, I mean, I called twice today just to see if I could get some information for this talk and still I got no answer. I did leave another voicemail. Um, but aside from that, I went there because uh, there was there was a representative from the Pennsylvania American Water Company talking about uh, some of the things that they had planned and what was going on uh, because they did sell it. Uh, so I went there and I told them uh, where I lived and what I'm doing here, the impact that I've had on the town, uh, that I've been running a nonprofit in the town since I was 18, and uh, the impact that that's had in the town, um, how I've been... Uh, educating people on the uh, hydrosphere and our relationship with the hydrosphere and uh, what does it mean that we have these little plaques on our on our sewage, uh, on our drains that says that the water goes to the river and all these sorts of things that people just uh, didn't even really notice or understand um, and that the local government was actually concerned with. Um, uh, aside from uh, my, uh, uh, well, I, my, I go so many different places, I'll stand track. Um, so I went up there and I, t I told them uh, how I've been educating people in town, uh, that I have my laboratory in town where I'm doing uh, biological research. I have my garden here where I'm educating locals and uh, people can come look at my chickens and I have lots of uh, local kids come and ask me questions and stuff like that. And it's so okay for anybody to come ask me questions. Um, uh, and uh, I told them about my plan for uh, using algae in the wastewater treatment facility and how that they could actually uh, increase the value of the wastewater treatment facility and how it can decrease the nutrient load, both organic and inorganic nutrients uh, uh, that are going into the river. Um, so um, I didn't really get much input from the gover the local government. Um, the mayor uh, seemed very happy uh, about my presence. Um, I, I, very, I talked with her very briefly on two occasions and uh, the townspeople um, more uh, reacted. Um, but before I've engaged the local government, I was invited to the uh, Old Town Association's Business and Professionals Group, uh, which has more committees than the local government does on development and all these kinds of things. And it's actually uh, engaging the county on uh, developing our town. And uh, I've, I've found I've been able to get more things done, more networking uh, and find more resources and everything that I was looking for with working with the government through my old town association and business professionals group, which is something that not all, not all towns have. Um, but I was, that was, that's been very beneficial to me. So, uh, other than that, I, uh, had the opportunity to speak to the Pennsylvania environmental council earlier this year. Um, and it was at, it was at a specific, uh, uh, water, uh, watershed workshop. And I spoke with them on uh, whole systems solutions to uh, uh, remediation and pollution uh, uh, for the Chesapeake Bay watershed. I engaged them and I talked about um, the whole system solutions. I talked about my fungi island um, and how um, the species that I was working with, the Lentinus tigrinus, uh, has shown effectiveness at uh, uh, um, degrading PCBs. Uh, so that was something that uh, was really interesting and uh, that I had used in my research. Um, so I brought that forth as well as my work with uh, algae. Um, and everybody was uh, super thrilled about that. I got a lot of emails uh, and 
Um, there looks to be potential for grants through there, through that. And, um, a lot of people were interested in just, uh, me coming out to teach again, um, in different, uh, uh, independent organizations and government organizations. Uh, so, uh, the local governments sometimes, um, from what I've seen, even with the, uh, other, other townships and municipalities and boroughs around me, um, they don't seem to be very proactive. Um, but other than that, there's a lot of organizations that are doing a lot of things. Uh, well, so it might be because, um, uh, have you read, um, holistic management by Alan Savory or was your PDC oriented to, um, include like holistic management? Because I, I just keep hearing. Um, it was oriented. Yeah, I, ne I never read that. It was oriented to include holistic management. Really, that's so cool. I'm including that in my um, in my 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 new book. But a lot of people out here on the West Coast, um, you know, they'll like make reference to uh, holistic management in their PDC or something like that. But um, people who study or take a holistic management course or are certified or something like that. Um, they're like, no, 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 it is not complete. You know what I mean? And so it's really great to see that you're readily, like, you have that lens acquired. And I feel like you know, sometimes people who come through PDCs uh, don't have the uh, holistic lens. And, and, and I'm trying to address that in my, in my new book. Um, but it's so great to hear that that's, like, pff, already going on. Um, yeah, um... I, I was really fortunate to have the, the teachers that I had, um, uh, Benjamin Weiss and Wilson Alvarez, as well as uh, Rafika Muhammad. Uh, those were the instructors that I had, as well as uh, Alexis Campbell and uh, Jonathan Darby were mentors. Um, the, it was an excellent PDC. It was very uh, uh, focused on activism and rewilding and, and just that holistic lens that you're talking about. Um, it, it, I mean, I couldn't have asked for a better PDC. I mean, I've traveled around and heard so many different stories from so many people and uh, so many things that were lacking from different things. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I really, really, it was invaluable to me that, that, that experience and having those two as mentors. But was it just by chance or did you research them? Um, it was, it was kind of by chance. I mean, I was like, uh, I was in, I was really independent for a while, uh, with my nonprofit organization, but by having my nonprofit organization, I was, or I was introduced to people, uh, that Benjamin Weiss was teaching through, uh, through, through the, their location. Um, so that's how I met Ben. And, uh, after I met Ben, uh, I really wanted to get my permaculture design certification because I saw him teaching and I was like, Hey, I can do that. And I have other things to bring to the table that aren't around here. Uh, so I just really wanted to get my PDC, uh, my, my permaculture design certification after that. And I, and he said that he was working on, uh, doing a certification course in Harrisburg and it turned out to be the cheapest certification course in the United States. Huh. And it was super, super approachable. Uh, it was right in inner city Harrisburg. It was oriented to like get as many people in there as they could possibly get in there. Uh, and they did it at the boys and girls club and it was really awesome. And, uh, I had a great time and I had, there was a lot of assistance and, 
um, through that group of people, Susquehanna Permaculture, they've built such an, a great network. I mean, there was a, uh, um, I got to go to, um, I forget what they're called right now. They were like permaculture gatherings, uh, like uh, Pennsylvania permaculture gatherings or something like that. There were two of them. Um, and I, w- I went to those before I even really knew much about permaculture, but got to meet people from New Jersey, from Delaware. Delaware permaculture is amazing. They've been a great resource. Um, Jonathan Darby works at Horn Farm in York County, and I got to learn foraging through him. And I met a gentleman called uh, Nathan Carlos Ruffley through through him, and he's an amazing forager too, did amazing DVD. And there's just a great culture of, of farming and rewilding and and permaculture out here that I just like never would have thought existed. <laughs> is it on, is it, is it like, does it have a big presence online? Because I know out here in the West coast, it feels like we're not connected to that East coast, like network, uh, or at least in my perspective, um, I'm connected to you, but, um, I don't know those other people like personally, not like, like I know your story, you know? Well, I mean, there is a group on Facebook uh, that it's, people are fairly active on. I post a lot on it uh, called Susquehanna Permaculture. Um, Susquehanna Permaculture does have a, uh, a website. Um, but Ben recently got very ill um, and hasn't been as active, but he's starting to come back and work on some things. Um, I think him and Wilson are working on some rewilding permaculture. Um, um, I'm not sure uh, where exactly they're going with that. I haven't. Uh, been in touch with uh, either of them too much recently. Um, they actually live in Lancaster, which is like um, you know, almost an hour away from where I'm at. Um, so th- I was very grateful for them to come out as well for that. Um, but so there is a there is an uh, online community. Uh, ben wrote a few articles that that got uh, a lot of attention. One of them was the need for landless permaculture. I think it was like the first. Uh, I don't I don't remember. It was a little bit last year. Um, uh, um, aside from that, the, uh, there's just a lot of like meetups. There's a lot of events out here. Um, and, uh, they, they have been doing a lot of education, which had connected a lot of people that had attended their events and things like that uh, out here. Um, so I was able to network through their list of friends and, uh, uh, work, work through there. And, um, yeah, I mean, the permaculture gatherings were great. I mean, I met so many people there. I met, um, uh, Paul Glover, which was a, he's been an amazing resource for like understanding decentralization and local currency and things like that. He's working on some projects over in Philadelphia and I got to meet, uh, Biogas Bob. He's working over in Dickinson College. I'm going to take a workshop with him in July on, uh, producing biogas and things like that. So he makes biogas digesters. So. There's just so many people out here that just um, somehow through Susquehanna permaculture, everybody got connected. (laughs) Wow. That is amazing. Well, where I I live is actually, there's, I think, two permies that I know of in, uh, you know, three hours, like, in all directions. (laughs) So Have uh, Have you ever listened to Permaculture Podcast? Uh, Scott Mann? Yeah. Yeah. He lives like like seven minutes from me. <laughs> yeah. You know what's really cool is uh, 
all the permaculture podcasters have like um, a a running message thread on Facebook together, and nice. and we and we all like have shared like our microphones, like what Skype <laughs> program we're using, like all these different things, and it's like we're all talking. Sharing, That's awesome. And it's just in that it's very, you know, uh, mycological. <laughs> yeah. There's such a network. Yeah. And I, I really find that that is a beautiful thing about permaculture. And I want to figure a way and you know, probably the best way to do it is through permaculture magazine, North America. I mean, they're tying all of North America together right now. Um, and I suspect they're going to do their own conference, um, in the next six months. I suspect, huh? <laughs> so uh, well, I might know, <laughs> but like I mean, I hope so because like, well, I, we, I was I keep trying to get out to permaculture voices, but it never ends up working out for me. <laughs> yeah, we got to figure out a way to get everyone, and that's what permaculture North America. You know, that's like a stated mission, right? We're collecting all those voices. Um, my friends Hannah and Cassie, I just had on the uh, podcast last week. Um, they they run it and I mean their vision is powerful. Hannah's been, I mean Hannah's been involved in permaculture for a long time. Her experience is incredible, and so and, and Cassie's like a young person go getter who is like incredibly you know great at communicating and studying, and she's very shrewd as well with information. So together they're this amazing dynamo, and. Mm -hmm. Voices like yours, voices like Benjamin Weiss from the East Coast. Uh, I'm gonna totally like point you guys in each other's directions, and we gotta figure a way to. And maybe we do, you know, because the thing is, I don't want a traveling conference because <laughs> I want a conference where we're all together. Yeah, that's so, what I'm saying. So we gotta figure that out um, for for real. <laughs> Yeah, and it can't be in the middle of a city where it's expensive so we got to figure that out um, so what are your plans because I know we've talked a little bit about some of the, some of the crazier fringe stuff like um, we talked about bioluminescence um, yeah <laughs> and, and it seems like the we, bioluminescence with fungi is not the mycelium it's the fruit right so that's less. Um, no, there's actually there's actually mycelium that will grow. Oh. Um, off the top of my head, I'm 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 not uh, getting the, the species name. I know that Motown mushrooms has some cool cool things that they're doing with bioluminescent fungi uh, jars that they were uh, advertising. Um, but is it but liquid? Yeah. I'm sorry. Is it liquid like uh, algae? Oh no no! You can just grow. You can grow it on a substrate like uh, sawdust, and, and the bag will glow in the dark at night. Okay, that's really cool. So, which which is more, um, which is brighter, uh, the algae, because because of the uh, surface area of the liquid allowing light to pass through, or the solid mass, just because it's well, got more energy. The algae thing is like. The algae thing can—I mean, the algae at this point is, is shown to is shown to be brighter, um, but the algae thing is keeping it agitated. So the 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 fungi can stay glowing in the dark, but the algae 
like you have to like kind of mess with it to get it to glow so like when you see it in nature you'll see whenever the waves are crashing is whenever you'll see the most bioluminescence um so whenever we have a, like when i've been playing around i've been playing around with uh pyrocystis fusiformis uh uh diatom uh and it's a it's a type of uh, microalgae and i have to i have to agitate it uh, a little bit to get it to glow in the dark um but it it'll it shines a really nice blue yeah um, i really like i really like the colors that the bioluminescent spectrums come in yeah i like i really i really enjoy the algae more the um it, it reminds me kind of like the avatar movie um the, the fungi they have that kind of like phosphorescence like a like a like a lightning bug right right i like both of those i mean i grew up with the glow worm like doll in my bed so you know i uh that green is is i think wired into <laughs> my brain a little bit <laughs> but i've never even seen a glow worm like that's incredible that's awesome well, yeah, I mean, I am, I am in my mid-30s, so. <laughs> so, this is incredible. You've got a young family. You've got, like, three businesses, or is it six? <laughs> I mean, I, at this point, I have one that's filed. Like, Microsymbiotics LLC is the, like, only business that I officially run. Um, I'm working on a lot more, and I'm not... I've learned I've learned a lot from like starting the nonprofit and starting microsymbiotics. Um, I don't want to pull the trigger too fast on things, um, and I'm putting a lot of ideas out there for uh, my community to engage because I can't run all these businesses and that's not my intention. Um, but right now I'm working on the Spirulina in Wormleyburg, which is a town that's uh, like five minutes from me. Um, we're, we're trying to set up, uh, uh, I think three spirulina, uh, runways inside of a old pool, uh, that we've been cleaning out and we're going to set up a greenhouse over top of that. Um, it's kind of going to be like a wallapini style using the pool that's already in ground, um, to produce spirulina and hopefully we'll be able to produce a year round out, out there. Um, cause it does get fairly cool, uh, here in the winters. Um, yeah, aside from that. Uh, I was working on with the insects as well. Um, my friend, uh, Kurt, where I, uh, he owns the property that I grow my mushrooms on, uh, he's been uh, building up his worm population on site and has now developed uh, uh, a whole system for processing the mushroom substrate way more efficiently than I've ever seen. Like He has a whole method of inoculating uh, the substrate with bacteria that the worms just tear through it faster than we've ever seen anything. The population increases really fast. Uh, so he's working on building that up and we're using uh, my mushroom substrate and then like avocado peels from the local uh, Nido Burrito. Uh, it's like a burrito chain out here. Um, and uh, they, love the, they love living in avocado peels and that together has been creating an amazing uh, compost uh, that we're using in our, our community gardens. Um, but he's building it up to the point that he's that we can produce uh, on a scale that he can start selling that. Uh, and then I'm also uh, cultivating insects. Um, and I don't want to take that into a business myself. I kind of, I really want somebody to take, to start working with that, but I've, I'm working on a model uh, here down the street from me uh, to start educating the local homeschool co-ops and anybody else that wants to come uh, see or take any workshops on, on uh, uh, micro herding insects. Um, so, uh, 
aside from that, I'm going to be starting a little cleaning service uh, this fall, uh, just with some local kids around the block uh, to get them to go pick up acorns and black walnuts and uh, um, things of that nature um, that we're going to turn process into flowers or just because black walnuts are pretty good. Um, and, uh, and profit off of that um, and clear it out of the way because a lot of the people in the town, they have issues uh, with the black walnuts and the acorns and the driveways and things like that. It kind of gets people irritated and I'm sure they pay some kids a couple bucks just to pick it up. So I'm going to try and figure out how to get that going. And um, other than that, I mean, I have a lot of ideas that are based around a design I have for my town and decentralizing the town <clears throat> um, that incorporates uh, uh, biofuels and uh, working with local mechanics to uh, start helping uh, um, do conversions on cars and uh, helping produce biofuels, um, utilizing systems that are already in place to be uh, as most effective and low cost to incorporate these new sustainable technologies because it doesn't, we don't need to be buying a whole bunch of stuff or putting a lot of money into these things. <clears throat> uh, we could be working with things we already have. And I mean, anything that we need somebody threw away, especially in these like rich areas like Hershey and stuff like that. Um, but uh, I mean, that's the thing. Most of the things, most of my permaculture education that I've done myself in like sustainable systems has come from Southern Asia and just researching things from Southern Asia, like Thailand and uh, the Philippines. They have so much sustainable like applications technologies farms like they're doing all this stuff already out there like the big worm farms the big like cordyceps specific mushroom farms that are making a lot of money for families they're doing big mushroom farms reishi farms uh they're working with the microalgae they have big spirulina farms all these kinds of stuff it's already and they have it on the scale that's like they're educating people and uh like regular farmers and townspeople are learning how to uh, apply these technologies to their own lives and uh, make their lives better. There's a lot of like, uh, um, I mean, even from like Europe, there's a lot of like, uh, uh, non-government organizations that are reaching out into third worlds and applying all these cool sustainable technologies. So, like that's where most of my, like, like I, I've been treating the situation like a third world situation because like I, I looking at the patterns, I see things like, kind of differently. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say that I'm living in a third world situation because I really live in a great place, but looking forward at the way that things work, it just like, I don't know, where's the, where's the food going to come from anymore when things are changing and all this kind of stuff. But well, all that kind of stuff. I, I get what you're saying. You're saying <laughs> that the breakdown and the common problems and the, um, their similar patterns are emerging from uh, the American uh, small town that you would see in a third world. And I totally have seen the same exact thing. Yeah, I mean, like, I and was out there it's not saying Mexico. that they're a third world country. It's just saying that there are similar patterns and then trends. And we don't want to head down that road, right? No, not at all. And, like, like whenever I was younger, I was out in Mexico. And, like, I was out in Mexico City and traveled around Mexico and, like, I got to go whenever I was living out in Taiwan and like I traveled around like there's like there's so many similar patterns it's unbelievable and like that's been like the biggest thing I mean like I don't even bring that up ever but like I figured it I just like I mean like that's where a lot of my work has been based off of but like people get weirded out when I tell them those kinds of things 
<laughs> well, because it feels uncomfortable because we have this reality that everything's okay. Uh, otherwise, we would have to change, and that's uncomfortable, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to uh, talking about um, Asia, I think because Asia never lost its aquaculture, it never lost the holistic understanding of, uh, of, of the way systems work. And so the water cycle, the mineral cycle, and, you know, they, they like the reason that they're doing so they're spirulina is because their water gardens um, never stopped. And you go to places like Vietnam and they're pond aquaculture and they're like town aquacultures where they have like floating bamboo buildings and the, in the base of it there's fish in, in, in their bamboo and they're living in a bamboo cage at the bottom of the house yeah man it's like it's it's like i'm multi-dimensional or something i don't know the best way to explain it but like systems like, yeah there's it's in, it's incredible the thought that's put into some of this <laughs> And like the experience and the knowledge that's been like passed down for so long and, and all that antiquity. I mean, like if we even look at most of our holistic systems that we're using right now, they came from the East over the past 100 years. I mean, like <clears throat> one straw revolution even. I mean, I, almost every permaculture designer that I know, like will quote that book. Yeah, and I mean, I think that the, the real problem, the real root of the whole issue is the way we do agriculture all started in Northern Europe. And so they're like, well, this is the way it works here. And then mm -hmm. they just started doing it everywhere, and that created, like, hell for the ecosystems. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, like, I, 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 whenever I go uh, almost any direction, like if I'm going to Philadelphia especially, um, I go through Amish country and like, I really have a, like an admiration for Amish culture and like, I have nothing bad to say, but like, I still see that European farming, like old school on a regular basis. And it's just like, wow. Like, I mean, not, I mean, we have really great soils out here. Like some of the best in the country, especially out towards Lancaster, but like just seeing that like big, massive open land, like this for most of the year. I'm just like, damn, that's how you make a desert. Yep. <laughs> yep, it cer certainly is. And I mean, if you look at Mark Shepard's New Forest Farm, it's an oak savanna. And, I mean, and it looks like a forest. And then you look at Ernst Gosch's farm in Brazil, it looks like untamed rainforest, but then you go inside and he's like, oh, and I planted all of this. And he'll like walk <laughs> you through and knows where everything is. Yeah, it's incredible, man. So, incredible. And, and, and Ernst Gosch's thing is he wants to invite people into the system. He doesn't want to bar them um, yeah. from the systems of nature. And I think what what you what you're doing in your mission, like you said, you don't want to do all these jobs. You're you're inviting. You're you're inviting people to take part in all these different things. And I I feel like that's what I'm doing too. Uh, I'm introducing kids to all these different career possibilities so they feel like they have a choice and don't feel trapped when they get to high school. Mm -hmm. Because most Man. people feel trapped. And I know some people, yeah. like my father-in-law, who grew up wanted to be an Air Force pilot since he was age three. And that was his mission. He went to, you know, 
uh, you know, officers uh, academy and did the whole spiel. But some kids, you know, get to the end of high school and they're like, military or debt? And they're like, what? Like, <laughs> I want to paint. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, right. You know what I mean? So Where's that option? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is giving like real, real career options. Um, in, uh, in, in, it seems like everything you do is similar to the way I do it. It probably, it just looks a little bit better when you do it. Um, uh, is, is you take stuff that everyone can afford and then applies permaculture and shows how you can scale up. Yeah. Uh, because for me, I mean, you have a, you have a son, I have two sons. We know. And that's why I feel like families, you know, are, have to talk to families in this whole movement. Because it's like, I can't afford, you know, that Israeli biogas digester, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, that, that's oh, yeah. nice. It's cool. And, but, like, I can't afford that. I, and, you know, and then it's like, I don't have all the ideal components. And so I just have to do with what works. And most of those things are things that everyone has. Like, I've got garbage cans with holes in the bottom. And yeah. so I can inoculate, you know, my, all my paper that way. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like, and like, I got my, my garbage can rain barrels and like, I've literally just been working with whatever, like whatever I've had or whatever I could get my hands on for the past couple of years. <laughs> and like, it's cool. And like that way it, that way anybody can do it. And like, and I mean, my big, one of my biggest thing is this, like at this point, one of the biggest ways that I feel we can start reversing anything is to stop using this like money, this nonsense money. And like, that's one thing that Paul Glover like really instilled in me. He actually, he actually started the longest lasting local currency in the United States, the Ithaca hours and taught me a lot. And like, like just blew my mind on like microcredit, like just like, credit unions and not accepting debt <laughs> and like just doing things like he was like like he's just like just do it like he was like the nike's freaking guy of permaculture and, and decentralization he's just like just do it like don't don't wait around so, so like all glover right yeah and and so i'm just I, i'm telling everybody just do what's affordable like and don't like don't go out of your out of your limits like there's then you're then we then we can we can't do as much as we could yeah so i totally have the ithaca dollar uh, the ithaca hour dollar the coastal marine fund uh, marin fund and the portland bartering economy in my book but i'm going to investigate paul uh, more to flesh out yeah that there's a whole lot say awesome yeah. Awesome. So, so what? What's next for you? What? Do you, what, what? What's the five-year plan? Or do you have a five-year plan? Are you just, just? <laughs> no, I do. Um, I mean, what's next is I'm I'm trying to raise this eight thousand dollars on my Indiegogo to uh, start up Life and Life Laboratories, which I've like superficially started up through the internet and I'm. Using my laboratory as like in life laboratories now, which I've had open to the community for a while. Um, I've had a few different mycologists uh, from the area come and use the laboratory, and 
I've taught people in there and stuff like that. So I'm working on getting a garage space or a warehouse space here in New Cumberland and uh, equipping that with the technology and the equipment uh, necessary for synthetic biology so we can start studying uh, um, synthetic biology. We can start working with uh, DNA sequencing uh, so we can start adding that to the databases of our local fungi here in Pennsylvania um, and offer that for education for people here in the area. So that's what I'm trying to work on over the next year. And I'm going to continue to engage the local government and the uh, Old Town Association. I'm going to be participating in the development with the development committee uh, and the development and the beautification of my town uh, with permaculture design in mind. Um, I'm working on getting access to land alongside the creek, which is a tributary to the Susquehanna River that is a border on my town uh, because we are prone to floods. And I've designed a uh, integrated wetland system to go alongside of our creek that could prevent uh, or provide flood mitigation uh, and increase biological diversity. Um, I'm working on getting more into the homeschool co-ops and uh, getting access to more land and uh, uh, this warehouse right down the street from me so I can set up a certified kitchen for people to use in the area because that's a big thing that I've seen local businesses in need of uh, that are trying to start up this access to a certified kitchen so they can produce products that they can actually sell without having to worry about getting in trouble or anything like that. And um, uh, other than that, I kind of just want to chill out and write my book that I've been working on on citizen science and uh, hang out with my son and uh, get him the farm that he deserves because he really, really loves animals. So I want to get him some space so he can work with animals because I mean, really, that's the only thing that's important to me is like first was making sure I could put food in his mouth. <laughs> that's why I learned how to forage and grow my food. But uh, next is making sure that I can provide him with the education that he wants and deserves. So working on getting access to some land probably out here in York County, like within like a 20 minute range of where I live right now and uh, start working with animals and uh, integrating uh, micro livestock in New Cumberland with, through a fleet system um, that I'm trying to integrate to help feed people that need food in our area um, and hire some more people. So I just want to keep uh, integrating all these different systems that I have in my design for uh, for decentralizing my town and providing the town people with the resources that they need for like food and clean water and wastewater treatment and all that kind of stuff and giving it to them and letting them know how to do it themselves and allowing them to create businesses with it if they desire. Um, and if they don't want to create businesses with it, I'll create businesses with it and, and help employ people. So um, that's what's the next five years for me. Other than that, I don't know. Cause like all these different goals that I've had, they've been keep happening faster than I thought. So I can't even predict the future anymore. <laughs> ha, that's how I feel. And you know what? That's exactly why I wrote the books I wrote. I was looking for someone who uh, didn't exist. Um, and I realized that I had to become them. And um, I think that uh, there's no more powerful motivation than uh, your children and wanting to create the environment and the community that you envision as right for your children and their children's children. For, for, for me, I feel, so, I mean, I'm listening, I'm like nodding my head the whole time listening to you.
I just feel so inspired because this is exactly what I feel. I feel like I need to get my son land, so both my sons land, so that they have the ability to generate for uh, food and income and you know and and a livelihood for their themselves and for their families. And I also feel like I've got to be public and to to teach as many people as who as will listen. So that there's a context for my my children to exist in, you know what I mean? That's agreeable with the skills I'm prepping them with. Um, yeah. Because the context that they're offering doesn't exist in college and in high school. They, they're just prepping us as like lemmings going over a cliff. Um, <laughs> so that's a, I mean, I was a I was a public ed teacher at like a cutting edge high school, and watched I watched the whole thing collapse. And I was like, oh, so what, you know, and like, and I all just came down to the fact that, um, you can't, you, you need to unschool, you need to give kids a habitat and it, it doesn't really involve, um, the structure of public ed. It can happen in a park. It can happen at your home. It could happen in another building, you know, and it doesn't need to, it's, portable uh, oh yeah man and we're gonna have to figure that out because like out here i don't know about out there but schools are closing down so people are gonna figure it out sooner than later yeah schools are shutting down out here too i think they're shutting down um faster though in uh, the cities and the cities are closer together out east so you're probably gonna have more solidarity earlier on than we are um Californians tend to um, not believe the bad news because it's like a drive away. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's fire. Oh, yeah, there's fire. And then it like rushes through town and burns everything. They're like, ah. It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there needs to be a better communication. And and it, a lot of it's just because we got cars and we've got to drive an hour to see someone. You know what I mean? And we're, yeah. you guys, you walk down the street and you pass, you know, 300 people. Yeah, man. Maybe not in your town, but I mean in the uh, the epicenters, the the population epicenters. Yeah, I mean. And what's I mean, cool though is that you have this opportunity because your town is how close are you to the nearest city? Uh, seven minutes. You feel Philly seven minutes from you? Oh no no! Uh, the biggest cities would be Philadelphia. Philly's like an like an hour and yeah, an you're hour. perfect. Your town is a ecotourism like magnet to be because what oh yeah so i mean especially because you're so close to all these major cities they could transform the outer outer areas of all those cities to match like overnight because there's they're still kind of locally bound like you know, like new rochelle like mount vernon those kind of satellites of like new york city um they still kind of kind of have a free hand um the village, glorious side, ah, they don't got a free hand in anything. They're, they're, they're tied up and, you know, ready for slaughter. <laughs> but but oh. you have this opportunity to create a model that's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm so yeah, I'm excited in, to see I'm, what happens. Yeah, I'm kind of in love with it. I mean, I keep, I keep telling everybody we got the turnpike here. We can hit, like, New Cumberland has an exit. You get right on and you go straight to Pittsburgh or straight to Philadelphia or right to New Jersey 
or all the way right to Ohio, or the other interstate that we have been negative to, you can go right to Baltimore all the way through to New York. So, I mean, I, I want to just keep building on this. We have other people right in the local area that are doing great things. Just like I said, Scott Mann and Shepard's Place. And uh, we got great uh, uh, natural parks where I'm going to be hosting uh, my, my mushroom festival this year to invite people from out of state to come see. And all this this natural uh, 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 amazement. I mean, out of all the places that I've been, Pennsylvania is one of the greenest People don't have to water their lawn here. There's lots of trees. There's lots of state forests. Um, so, I mean, just like you said, it's a great model, easily accessible. Um, and I just want to keep promoting that and going on that. Well, thank you so much, William, for coming on and sharing your vision and your life story and your passion. Because it's people like you and, that are going to change this world and for the better and for all of our children. And I'm so excited to be right there with you trying to do the same thing and I, I'm just I feel like every time a post comes on I have to stop and read it I see your <laughs> smile I first of all your smile always lifts me and then it's it's the information you provide is an edge of permaculture that only a few people are exploring Peter McCoy's uh, uh, doing mycology it's not it's not exactly the same path through mycology as you are you have a lot more algae and you have a lot more, uh, like you're coming at it from a different side, you know? Um, and I know, I know algae, not fungi, but I'm just saying you're including those things too and showing how there's this crossover between the way those things work and the way that fungi works and a lot of things I feel like. Um, and they also work with your systems together and that's what's super cool is you're showing this systems way of thinking and I, I'm, I'm just really excited to, to read your book, to see where all this is leading, and to talk to you again sometime. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. This was amazing. Uh, I, I really appreciate this opportunity. It's invaluable to me, and uh, I'm stoked to keep following your work as well. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And I will uh, talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. Have a good day. Well, that was an inspiring talk with an amazing young man. I just want to clarify one point. The difference when I'm talking about between Peter McCoy's side of mycology and with Williams, William is creating a whole system, a closed loop system using algae to take up the CO2 that's that's released by the growing fungi. So uh, fungi and making mushrooms and all this kind of stuff, you make this mushroom room and it's going to breathe just like people do. And so it's gonna, it's going to let off tons of CO2 and use up all the oxygen in the room. So you need to reverse that, you need to use fans, you have good ventilation is what they usually say. But William's system is that he uses algae to take in all that CO2 and create, the cl create a closed loop system. So essentially it's a carbon sequestration model because all the extra substrate he's using, he's turning into compost, all the CO2 that's released, turning into algae, and it's being consumed or sold or used in, in ways that sequester it. It's really kind of incredible. 
and it's really worthwhile that we check out what he's doing. So check out fungimag.com, check out his work at Mycosymbiotics, and keep your eye out for William, because he's doing amazing things, he's on the move, he's only 22, and he's already doing more, you know, than I, I, any young person I've ever met his age, you know. And it's people like Cassie Langstrat, people like William Padilla Brown, these young people who are in their early 20s, who are starting businesses, inspiring other young people to start businesses, but are providing a path for all their peers. Because none of their peers that are climbing the corporate ladder are getting anywhere. And they're just sitting on that debt. And they're maybe feeding the debt a little bit, but they're usually not doing very much. And a lot of them are going back to school just to avoid payments. So we're at this crisis period. We have these examples, and I'm so grateful that I was able to showcase it. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful week. From Permaculture Tonight, have a good one.